Today's episode is brought to you by Multiplayer Gaming Podcast, the number one podcast for gamers. Head over to MultiplayerSquad.com and check out the amazing benefits of supporting the show. You'll get incredible things like over 50 bonus episodes, early access, and ad-free episodes. You can do your part to help support the show and the number one gaming podcast by heading to MultiplayerSquad.com and signing up today. Shazam! Shazam! (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. We are so excited to be talking to you guys about our favorite subject of gaming. As always, we keep our episodes family-friendly, and we are a couple of dads who love to game. We love talking about gaming. We're so excited to be talking to you guys here today as we break down our top five list of games that came out on the Xbox 360. If you have not already done so, please rate our podcast five stars. Make sure to leave a review, and we might read it on the show. And also, if you head over to MultiplayerSquad.com, you can become a Patreon supporter, which will give you access to exclusive Quick Take episodes. You'll have a shout-out on the show, and you can also support us by subscribing on Apple Podcasts. I am your host, Paul, and then joining me here today... He's got his 360 wrapped in a towel, praying to the gaming gods that it'll be resurrected from the dead, from the red ring of death. It's Josh. Man, you're bringing back some bad memories, Paul. (laughs) Do you know? Oh, boy. Do you remember the days of like turning on your Xbox 360 and seeing the green light and just being like, oh, thank goodness. You know, and then all of a sudden you'd go to turn it on or it would crash and then it's just red. And then you just go like, no, like no, no! <laughs> you just yank it out from the power slot as quickly as possible, and just hope that by turning it back on, you won't get the red ring. Oh man, so many memories about the 360. I can't wait to jump into it. Although before we do that today, you've got a couple of reviews that we're going to read here on the show, hey, right? I will say this, man. Uh, the reviews have been rolling in lately, so thank you to everybody that is submitting reviews for the show. We have gotten a lot of new reviews in the last couple weeks. We love seeing them. They help the show immensely, so thank you to everybody out there. If you have not left a review, please take the time to do so. It only takes a few seconds, but it is great. Uh, if you don't have an Apple phone, you know somebody that does. The Apple Podcast app is built into it, so all you got to do is find it. Search for our podcast, leave a review. Good chance we're going to read it on the show, but it is one phenomenal way to help us out. Um, so I've got a couple here. Uh, first one comes in from Wayner Man, and it is titled <laughs> Awesome, 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 Awesome. <laughs> And the review says, I am your biggest fan. Yes, you do have fans, and I am your biggest. Why? Because I am. You guys are what? Awesome! (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I think the key word in this review is awesome. Am I I getting that right? I was thinking it was Wayner Man, but... You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good old Wayner Man 01. Thank you so much for the review. We really appreciate it. Yeah, you're awesome too. Yeah. And we're your biggest fan. Yeah. Oh, I. You know what, Paul? I agree. I think so. Yeah. At least until I read this next review. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This next one is titled Three Thumbs Up," and it comes from Pluco, who lives in Great Britain. 
Ooh. So our our friends uh, from another country there. And the podcast reads, a well-polished podcast from day one. No need to change anything. Good guys to listen to. Have a load of fun. Brings back my gaming days from the late 90s to 2008 and slowly twisting my arm to get back into gaming. Keep up the good work, guys. It's a three thumbs up from me. <laughs> I don't know how often we are accused of being polished. I will take it. I do not think we were polished on day one, but I will definitely take the compliment. I'm fine with it. I don't know that anybody (laughs) has ever accused me of being polished unless they're talking about my bald head. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So thank you, Pluko, for the review. Uh, yeah. So, man, like I said, we've got lots rolling in. So please, if you haven't already, go ahead and leave us a review as well. Yeah, we really do appreciate it. It does help the show get out there more and show up on more listings. So, you know, it's a great free way to help us out. All right. So today's episode here, we have a bonus round episode. We do these every other Monday where we basically pick some kind of gaming topic. There's a several different types of formats that we've done on these bonus rounds. And one thing that we have been doing the last couple of months Every once in a while, we will just make our own individual top five lists of something. And then we basically will bounce back and forth. We'll go through our selections for the top five, whether it's like top five gaming series or top five shooters or whatever it might be. And today we decided, you know, we we thought it was time to break down another console. And so we briefly talked about what we wanted to cover. And ultimately, we landed on the Xbox 360. Now, I think that pretty much everybody would agree this is one of the greatest consoles of all time Mm -hmm. for sure on our show i believe we have crowned the nintendo 64 as the greatest console we had also talked about the playstation 2 being right up there neck and neck with it but i think we probably would put the 363rd do you think that's fair yeah that's like your podium at the olympics you know where it's like the top three like get to stand there and stuff like these are your trifecta of best consoles yes now i know the answer to this but for some of our newer listeners did you own an xbox 360 oh i did man and i loved that thing i had that console i want to say i had that console for like a decade and it yeah, lasted me a really too. long time. I, I did actually run into the Red Ring of Death, and I, I know I made fun at the beginning of the show, but that was legitimately like my reaction <laughs> yeah. when I finally got hit with the Red <laughs> Ring of Death on that thing, man. Uh, but yes, I, I, this is the Xbox 360 is the console that I owned for the longest period of time and that I had the most playtime on. You know, if I was going to say, hey, what's the one console that you played more than any other that was a part of your life, more than any other console out there, it is hands down the Xbox 360. That is exactly what I was going to say as well. So the 360 was not my favorite console. I would probably give that to the 64, but I definitely clocked in the most hours with the 360. I actually worked at Best Buy when the 360s released, and I have just in my memory stacks of of returned 360s (laughs) from the Red Ring of Death and warranties, you know, being used on the 360, but what a fun time. I mean, it came out when I was 21 years old. So this is a time when you have money, but you have zero responsibility. And I just spent an awful lot of time playing games. The 360 was more than happy to provide a plethora of amazing games. 
I went to Metacritic.com and went to go check out the highest rated Xbox 360 games. And I'm going to ask you a question, Josh. If I see a game that's rated 85 or higher, that means it's going to be a really, really good game. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Just take a guess. How many games on the 360 do you think have a Metacritic rating of 85 or higher? Like percentage wise or number wise? No, just how many how many game titles do you think had that kind of rating? Eighty five or higher? A lot is my guess. I'm gonna say hundreds, to be honest with you. (laughs) A hundred and seventy four games. That's a lot. Are rated eighty five out of a hundred or higher. I mean, it's there was had a lot of really really good games, man. You know, it had great exclusives, but it also had great games that weren't necessarily exclusive to to just the Xbox 360. But I don't that doesn't honestly surprise me. Yeah, it's wild. And some of those games are still like really good. Like Max Payne 3, which is a, a great game, is the 139th best game on the 360 according to Metacritic. So the fact that you have 138 games that are way better than Max Payne 3, I think really speaks volumes. All right, now, before we do jump in and break down our list, one last question for you. Was there any particular philosophy you had behind making your list of your top five? I tried to mix in a couple. Like, I didn't want to just think about Xbox 360 exclusives, because what we're going to talk about is just top five games that we played or were available for the 360. And so if we go only exclusives, I feel like that limits it a little bit because that time when the Xbox 360 released, if I remember right, it released in 2005. But yeah, that, yeah so that time frame was... I know for you and I was a a great time of life. You know, it was you, you're you're playing with your buddies, you're having a good time. People are coming over. You're you're doing all that stuff, and I felt like it would be unfair for us to say, "Hey, what are the top five games on the 360?" If we only considered exclusives, um, and so I feel like including all of the games out there is definitely the way to go. But at the same time, I wanted to make sure that I tried to think of some of the exclusive titles that were on there that were really, really good to kind of jog the memory and kind of bring back that feeling as well. So for me, it was just, you know, there's games that I think are phenomenal that I intentionally did not include because they were available across the board. And I think everybody knows about those games. So there may be a listener out there that at the end goes, well, I can't believe you didn't mention this game. You know, how can you say it's a top five without including this one? I I know, like I did that on purpose, you know, but it's like, I want (laughs) games that, that jogged my memory or that I remember playing and thinking like, wow, this is really blowing my mind or this kicked off an entire series or something like that. So I've got a little bit of a mix there. Yeah, I kind of did something somewhat similar. What I tried to hone in on are what are my personal top five games that I played on the 360. So, for example, Red Dead Redemption 1 is an absolutely fantastic game. I played it on PS3. When I borrowed my friend's PS3, he and I would swap systems. So he bought a PS3, I bought a 360, and every once in a while, if we got bored, we would swap our games and consoles and play each other's stuff. So... I did not include Red Dead 1 because I played it on another system. Also, Elder Scrolls, I went through those on PC, so I did not include those on my list. And also, I did leave off a couple other titles. 
Uh, I'm leaving off all of the Mass Effects because we have spoken about them uh, ad nauseum at this point on the show. And also, I decided to leave Halo 3 off my list because we just had a Halo episode, and I feel like we've talked a lot about Halo. So I kind of like put those to the side, you know, the ones we've spoken about a lot recently, and then trying to just break down my top five that I personally played on 360. Currently removing right. Halo 3 off of my list. <laughs> <laughs> you can include it if you want. Halo Reach, that one's out there too. Oh, man. All right. So, uh, how about you go first, Josh? And I, I think you and I don't have these in any particular order. It's just our top five. And then we'll basically say the game. The other person will say whether or not they had it on their list. And then we'll just spend a few minutes talking about it. Yeah. To be clear, you and I have not talked about our lists at all. Like we, no, I have no we idea generally have. don't just to find out if we think the same on some stuff. So we do not know the, the games that each other is talking about here. Um, number one for me, this is the game that immediately jumped to mind for me. This was legitimately one of my favorite games on the Xbox. I thought it started an entire series that at the time was unlike any other. It A lot of the mechanics in this game have been copied multiple, multiple times now. Yep. But dude... Gears of War. (laughs) Gears of War on the Xbox 360 was, to me, was groundbreaking at the time. It really honed and perfected cover-based mechanics. I don't know. I'm sure there was a game out there where you took cover before Gears of War. But Gears of War made it, number one, fun to take cover, necessary. But it it had this like almost cinematic feel to it. Like when you were rushing from one cover to the other and the camera would kind of pan down low behind your guy and shake. Yeah. Like that just sucked you into the game so much. You felt like you were legitimately running for your life. I mean, the chainsaw gun, when you could get up close to some like one of the guys uh, and just rip them in half was something that people really hadn't seen before in a game like this. It had through-the-roof production value. The story was good. The shooting was top-notch, man. There was there really wasn't anything about Gears of War that I didn't like at the time. I, I thought it was just a phenomenal game to come to the Xbox 360. Um, it set the stage for all the other Gears of War. Now, to be fair, I have not played like Gears of War 5. The series started to get a little eh, towards the end for me. But man, the original Gears of War, in my opinion, was absolutely top notch. I still remember playing that game to this day. <laughs> All right. So you picked Gears of War 1. Yes, correct. To be on your list. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I picked Gears of War 2. Ah, not a bad and- choice. <laughs> <laughs> we we can just kind of talk a little bit about the whole series, I guess, at this point. So since Gears of War has kind of like fallen out of favor with the masses, and, and I don't really totally understand why that is, but Gears of War was a third-person shooter, and basically, long story short, you, you've got the good guys who are the cog, and you've got the bad guys who are the locust, and basically the locust exists because there's like, scientific experimentation gone wrong it mutates humans they end up going underground starting their own civilization they end up getting uh i don't even know the right word but basically there's a substance that they're exposed to makes them want to kill all humans and so basically you are like humanity's last defense and you're trying to defeat and push back the locust horde and 
one thing that I think is so funny about Gears 1 and 2 is that you play as Marcus Phoenix as the main protagonist, and he is such a gaming hero locked in time because he's got the soul patch, (laughs) which is so firmly (laughs) mid-2000s that it cracks me up seeing it today because it immediately looks like, oh, this, like, did he listen to Smash Mouth? Right. Like, that's, like, exactly (laughs) what I think when I see Marcus Phoenix. It's, I, I just, I loved the characters in that game too, man. It's like, like I said, it, it was one of the most complete games at the time. It really reminded me of Halo. We've been talking a lot of Halo lately, so I'm not going to beat that horse to death, but it really reminded me of that complete world building. You cared about the characters in that game. It was, humanity was desperate. You really felt like you were fighting for the fate of humanity. You know, if, if you failed your mission, like, oh boy, well, there goes the world, buddy. You know, and and I love that the enemy in this game, the locusts, were, you know, they were humanoid in a lot of ways. They were super deadly. Humanity was losing. It was not this, you know, it just wasn't like this positive vibe at all. You really felt like you were there to save the world, you know, and you had this grizzled group of these soldiers, Marcus Phoenix leading them. Um, you know, I mean, people remember Coltrane and stuff like that from some of the later ones, you know, but they did a phenomenal job of number one, making you feel like you were just one bad dude, you know, with your <laughs> Lancer. I mean, I mean, your main gun was this Lancer, which was a machine gun, but had the chainsaw on the end. So, you know, you weren't afraid to get up close and personal. I really, it was just, man, that game was so much fun to play. And the multiplayer component of that game, I don't know if you ever played the multiplayer component, but that was a oh, top-notch multiplayer experience as well to play with your friends. Did you know that they coined the term horde mode? Yes. No one used that before Gears of War 2. Yeah. They're the ones who invented it. And see, that's what I'm seeing. I, like, the Gears of War series pioneered so many things. Number one, cover-based mechanics. Like I said, I, I don't... I'm not going to like search through the video game archives to see if another game had cover based mechanics or not. I'm sure there was one out there, but no time crisis in the arcades. That was cover based stuff like that. But nobody did it like Gears of War did it. Like if you could dash from cover to cover and they had that cinematic sequence where, you know, like I said, the whole camera angles, the sound design where you were stomping super heavy and then your guy would slam against the cover. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. everything just, you felt that game. And that's something that a lot of, like a lot of developers are missing nowadays is just that feeling of playing it. And, and it's just, it was such a memorable experience. I don't know how it translates. I have not played Gears of War in a very long time. So it would be interesting to try to go back and say like, oh, well, how does this game hold up nowadays? Maybe not so much because now every like lots and lots of games have cover-based mechanics and stuff like that. But man, back in the 360 days, this was one of the pinnacles of the Xbox 360, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I feel like they also threw in a lot of just like flair to the game. It wasn't just shooting stuff. Like the the chainsaw in and of itself would probably be enough. But even more than that, I don't know if you remember this, but in Gears 2, they introduced a mechanic where you could down an enemy and then pick him up and use him as a shield shield while shooting. So you could just walk forward while this enemy's getting shot by his own buddies. Oh my goodness. I, I, I don't know if I've ever laughed as hard as holding down Sprint with Marcus, who looks like he weighs... 
I don't know, 350 pounds. Yeah. Like these guys are built, like, I don't know if it's just the suit, but they look like, like they belong in an animation cartoon. They're just super bulky and just full out sprinting with that cinematic camera and then just chainsawing Locust over and over. It was just so much glee and fun. I mean, you would just flat out chainsaw the Locust in half. Like they would literally yeah. fully split <laughs> like in half. A banana, There's <laughs> blood spurting everywhere, which kind of sounds gross. But since they're like mutants, it 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 wasn't. It didn't really feel really gory. It kind of felt like um, what's the the big bug movie? A uh, Starship Troopers. Yes. Yeah. Over it's the kind top. of a lot. Like, like it was so over yeah. the top that it wasn't like gory yes. at that point. It was just like splatter. You know. Yes. But like like that felt so good, man that gun because the screen would shake it would zoom in on you it, it had this like little little sequence it you know that was great i think in two i don't remember if they had it in one but i know in gears of war two they introduced some of like the the vehicle sequences and stuff almost like halo had um those were super fun it just you cared about everything that was going on the transition from one environment to another as you progress through the story and why you were going from one area to the other everything made perfect sense the you know the culmination of these games was incredible i remember the end levels on both of them were just like mind blowing like this is so great to end this game this way or to fight you know the the boss of the game and stuff like that it just I mean, when you ask me, like, hey, what's one of the top games that you remember about the 360? It Gears of War was my very initial game that just jumped to mind instantly. Yeah, I feel like if I if I think about the 360, I immediately go to Gears of War. So that's exactly what I what I thought about going into first. Now, what's really funny is that in my head, I, I remember Gears Five not having a whole lot of fanfare. But I saw that it actually got like really good critical reviews and they're not done. Like they're still making a Gears 6 game. I kind of thought the series was dead. Uh, so I don't really know why it fell out of favor so much, but the multiplayer was great. The co-op campaigns were great. I, I was talking to our buddy, Michael Butler, who was a guest host a couple episodes back and he immediately went to, why don't we have more co-op shooter campaigns? And I was even saying, like, we've got Halo on the horizon, but even when the campaign drops, they're not going to have the co-op campaign, yeah. so we're going to have to wait. But I, I do wish that we had that with more games. Yeah. I want to say, I think I played Gears of War 4 was the last one I played, and I played I played that one a lot. The multiplayer in that one was pretty good. They really honed in on the Horde mode. That was a lot of fun. I mean, it was just really done. It was really well done. I think that they need a little bit of innovation. You know, that's the thing. I remember hearing about five. I remember watching some videos and I feel like exactly what you said. The general review is like, it's a fun game. Like there's nothing wrong with it necessarily, but I feel like they're getting to the point where they need some innovation at that point. Almost like, uh, like Far Cry, you know, Far Cry six came out. I never, I, I have zero interest in playing it. I watched a lot of the reviews and they said, it's literally just more of the same. Now that same is not bad. If you like the Far Cry series, all of the games are perfectly fine. But for me, I'm starting to get tired of that same format. You know what I mean? Yeah, that format. So it's like, like if you're giving me Far Cry Six, Far Cry Seven, <laughs> Far Cry Eight, and they're all the same, I, I'm losing interest at that point. And I think that's might be what happened with the Gears of War series. Yeah, you, you might be right. All right, so you pick Gears of War One. I had Gears of War Two. 
What you got next in your list? Boy, we just knocked out two of them right there, didn't we? Okay. Yeah, two for one. Next up for me, um, <laughs> I mean, I guess this is an easy segue into this one. So, Gears of War 3? No, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, we talk about you know, an introduction into a series. And we talked about, you know, maybe that series being overdone or not innovating a whole lot. But man, sometimes the first entry is so good. So for okay, me, okay. Assassin's Creed. Oh. I remember when Assassin's Creed released. I remember the video watching the trailers for Assassin's Creed. And I forgive me if I'm wrong here, but I think the guy's name was Enzo or Enzio was the initial guy in the initial Assassin's Creed. I could be wrong. So if you're an Assassin's Creed fan, I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> sharpen your pitchfork. Right? Yeah, exactly. But I, remember, <laughs> I think it is Enzo. I think it is. But I remember watching him climbing up to the top of the building and being perched up there. Now, number one, I don't fear a lot, but fear of heights triggers me really, really bad. That's one fear I can't really deal with. And I just see this guy standing at the super tippy top of this cathedral and then just swan diving down and landing in like the hay cart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, it was so cool looking, man. I was like, I want to do that. He had like the little <laughs> hidden uh, dagger thing that would pop out of his wrist, you know, so he could blend into the crowds and then he could assassinate people. And then the big thing was like you had to get away. Like it wasn't just about escape. killing people, right? Like other games, it's like, oh, go murder this guy, like have fun. But with Assassin's Creed, you had to do it in a different manner. You had to do it in this stealthy manner. You had to get away with it. You had multiple ways of approaching it. For for me, that was at the time was very groundbreaking. There were not any games that had done it like that. Now I don't know when Hitman came out, but I, you know, Hitman never grabbed me. Um, but Assassin's Creed. The, the initial one, boy, was that such an amazing game. And I remember playing the heck out of that game. I remember being just completely enthralled with the gameplay. The climbing mechanics were super cool because they made it so intuitive to be able to climb up these huge towers in these cathedrals and stuff like that. So all of the control schemes were top notch. The, the, the plot got a little weird. <laughs> Especially as the entries went on. Right. You know, because, well, it was the whole, like, you're going back. I, I forget the machine that they had. It's been a while since I played in Assassin's Creed. I'm not going to lie. But you had the uh, the machine to where it would, like, rip you back to present day. And then you'd realize that you were living the memories of these people and actually going into those memories to affect the past and stuff like that as well. Uh, which I thought was a very neat twist. So I really liked that almost sci-fi aspect that was very much, like, behind the scenes at that point. <clears throat> but man, the original Assassin's Creed did so much right at the time. And that was another game that was on the Xbox 360 that really just hit it out of the park for me. So this might sound super nerdy or super weird to our younger listeners. I remember the first time turning on Assassin's Creed and playing it with my buddy Curtis, and we would just walk through crowds because games were not populated with hundreds of people like Assassin's Creed, where it would be a bustling marketplace. And if you tried to walk between people, he would like put his hand yes. like on the one person's shoulder and turn sideways and squeeze through. You did not see stuff like that in games before Assassin's Creed. You didn't, because at the time, we didn't have the processing power to do that. And that's why that was another thing. Like I talk about the swan dive, but you hit the nail on the head, man. To see 
hundreds of people in a city moving around and living their lives and then these crowds that would form and your guy literally pushing people out of the way and nudging through them and shouldering like turning sideways to kind of shoulder through people that had not been done we didn't have the power for it and that kind of showcased the power of the xbox 360 back in the day as well because you just you you didn't see that anywhere else you know and instead of like it wasn't like you just clip through them no no (laughs) you know like you would actually nudge them out of the way and it looked real and that was part of the whole like getting the the assassination done and then disappearing into the crowd and getting away and stuff like that but yeah i mean at the time that was an amazing feat of technology that really enhanced the immersion in that game yeah it, it felt like a big leap up because like right now I'm I'm going through the GTA remastered games and I can jump into a group of people and I it's it was it's like very like crude like I'll just bowl people over and they go flying but Assassin's Creed just felt so like deft and just being able to just like smoothly walk your way through all of these people it was it was a complete blast I I was very hit or miss with Assassin's Creed I think I played one two and then Black Flag. Because I love the idea of being on pirate ships. Oh, see, I never played um, Black Flag. Now here, that's really yeah, good. That's the last one. Yeah, that's the last one that I did. Yeah, I, I I haven't played any of the the newer ones since then. But yeah, that's a great pick. I love Assassin's Creed. All right, All right. what do you next got? one on my list? When you were talking about starting a, a great series, I thought maybe you were going here. I want to pick Batman Arkham Asylum. Ooh, that was almost made my list. It was on my honorable mentions. Okay, yes. not on your list. So it's a good pick, though. Yeah, I also considered Arkham City, which I think most people prefer. I would even say I would probably prefer to play Arkham City today, but I wanted to go with Arkham Asylum because it was such a fun game, and it was like the first Batman game that actually worked really well. It had Mark Hamill voicing the Joker who's always fantastic yeah. doing voice acting. And it was such a fun plot. The whole beginning of the game, and I remember it being like a 10-minute cutscene, which is like one of the worst things that you can do to start a game. <laughs> but in this Skip. one, it, it was so Skip. necessary. <laughs> I know, but it was necessary for the plot. So what happens is you find out that there was a fire at the normal prison, and they've had to move everyone into Arkham Asylum. So Arkham Asylum is now loaded with all the crazies and all the regular criminals, And Joker ends up being caught, but Batman kind of knows he gave himself up. So what's Joker really planning to do? And so you escort him into Arkham Asylum, where he is immediately set free by his henchmen. And he basically says, hey, I've planted bombs all around Arkham City. And so what you need to do is you're not going to have any outside help. You need to work your way through the asylum and do what I tell you. And you have to fight through all of his henchmen. You get to fight a whole bunch of bosses like Poison Ivy, Bane, Killer Croc, Scarecrow, even Joker himself. But what I like most of all about this game is it's more like Batman as a detective. The emphasis is on the stealth and the gadgets. It's not about just running around like Rambo and just like, you know, fighting huge crowds of people. I love the fact that it was a little bit smaller, a little bit more self-contained, and it was just so neat to like 
find a clue. Okay, well, now let's turn on this special visor and I can see where this person's scent went and we're going to follow them and now we're going to, you know, figure out the next piece of what we're going to go do. And, and and I really, really liked that. It's funny because that Arkham Asylum is the game that stands out in my mind, you know? Yeah. And I did play Arkham City, but see, here's... I don't remember Arkham City. Like, I do remember Arkham Asylum. And that's the oh, thing. Oh, see, I, I, very, I very much remember. The, the second one had, like, the Riddler and Penguin and Mr. Freeze, and it was a little bit more open world. Yeah, see, but I liked... It's kind of like you said, I liked the smaller atmosphere. I liked the detective aspect. I remember scanning rooms for the clues and stuff like that. I remember yeah, the yeah, Scarecrow yeah. fight. That was trippy because Scarecrow like was making you hallucinate. <laughs> and then he was this like, you know, 150 foot tall, like Godzilla looking Scarecrow where he was just towering over you. You know, well, and it would change the perspective, right? Because the game you were normally in third person view, but then on the scarecrow, it would go to like a side platform view, right? Which was also really neat and trippy. Yeah, I. It's funny because that one really does stand out in my mind. The Batman games are, I think, some of the most underappreciated games out there. They're phenomenal. The combat is so much fun. They're super polished. The boss fights are great. I mean, who doesn't love playing as Batman? You know, it's one of those series where I I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that they've played them and didn't like them. Yeah, it's funny because if you read the Wikipedia page for Arkham Asylum, they talk about how it was determined to be by Guinness World Records the best Batman game, but then it was immediately superseded by Arkham City yeah. like two years <laughs> later, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, one thing that I don't know if I even maybe I knew this back when the game first released. But I did read that Batman's suit takes gradual damage over the course of the game. So oh, in the end game really? content, his suit's all scraped up and dented because it's not like he's swapping right. out. Yeah, he's not going back halfway. to the Batcave and stuff. So. He's in the asylum. Right. Yeah. That's a neat little touch. I don't I don't remember that at all. So but yeah, little 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 things like that really help kind of enhance like the overall experience too. <laughs> I, the last thing I'll say about it is I remember whenever you would like hide up in the rafters and you could swing between like gargoyle statues or whatever, you would hear the henchmen talk about you. Yes. And so that was part of the funny thing. They would like call you out you and kind of troll you for running away. Yep. But then if you would like zip down and like tie someone up and hang them, if they got found by the other henchmen, they would like cut them loose and talk about it. It, it had such a cool atmosphere to the game, so I, I wanted to include Arkham Asylum in my top five. No, that's a great choice. Um, All right, what you got next? Okay, so this one, you and I are not going to agree on this one. Oh, boy, okay. Dark Souls. Oh, okay. Okay, <laughs> sure. Because Dark Souls released, it. it took the world by storm. Like, there had not... I mean, I don't know. I can't say there hadn't been a game like Dark Souls, because I don't remember if Demon Souls or whatever came out first. My sense of time is not so good. I've got a good memory, but man, if you ask me what happened three days ago versus what happened three <laughs> weeks ago, I can't tell you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we, we've lived a lot of life, and as right? we live more, it's harder to recall these yeah, things. Yeah, I'm like, I just know what happened. I don't remember when. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> but, but when Dark Souls released, it, it was a genre-defining game. And I mean, to this day, right, we talk about Dark Souls-like combat in, in a plethora of games at this point. 
you know, Jedi Fallen Order. They talk about, ooh, Dark Souls like combat. You've got these games, you know, obviously, you know, you've got Elden Ring, which is Dark Souls. So, you know, obviously that follows that. But it really helped to define this genre of unforgiving combat type games where if you died, it was your fault. And so you never felt like the game was unfair when you were playing it, unless you were fighting Ornstein and Smog. Screw those guys. Okay, that was the most unfair fight ever. But the whole rest of the game was, you know, it was it was up to you. And, you know, you had to be patient. You couldn't just button smash. There were tons of games where as long as you were just smashing buttons, you know, just, oh, man, just roll your face and your hand across the controller and you were doing all these crazy combos and whipping around everywhere and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. Those games are fun. I like playing those kind of games. But Dark Souls completely turn things upside down in that regard. And they said, look, you have to be intentional. You have to have pacing. You have to read the opponent. You know, it, it, it just, it really helped to catapult melee combat, which I really enjoy. And I know you're not a fan, but I really like that personal aspect of just, I got my sword, I got my shield and I'm taking you down, buddy, until you hit me and then I die. And But then I'm coming back and I'm taking you down. <laughs> So I played Dark Souls when it came out, and I thought that there were things to like about it. I I might be remembering this wrong, but don't you kind of keep going back to the same areas, like in that castle, like you would walk through a courtyard, go into a castle, and you had to like go back again and again? I, I, I seem to remember retreading a lot of old ground, and it wasn't just to recover my corpse. I remember it feeling like a rather small world. It's not small, but there is some backtracking for sure. You know, okay. the map in, in is actually mind, that's fairly big. Out. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, if you pull up a map of Dark Souls, it, it's actually fairly big. But there's a lot of going back to different the the bonfires because maybe you need to head back now because you've gotten strong enough to take out this enemy that you could not kill before, or you got. Uh, you know, an item that maybe let you do something like that. I mean, these aren't like Metroidvania games where you can't progress otherwise. Um, but, you know, there is a lot of going back and forth. And that, you know, to some people, that is not that fun. I, I talked about, I think it was Dark Souls 2, where I got so sick of being in that underground area where I was just like, please let me out of here. I'm so sick of these wooden walkways and accidentally <laughs> rolling off of them and falling to my death. Or, you know, a, a you know, a guy jumping out of a tiny little shadowed cubby that I couldn't see that stabs me in the back and now I'm dead and stuff like that. Um, you know, so yes, there is some repetition. I mean, let's be honest, right? If you, you know, you activate a bonfire, all of the mobs respawn. So now you got to go back through those mobs. So, but that's part of the game is it's like that risk reward of like, do you want all your health back, you know, and the ability to heal, but now you've got to fight all the trash mobs. But in Dark Souls, a trash mob can take you out. Yeah, You know, I mean, there's always risk there, but I, you know, you and I go back to the, to the, the, the days of Nintendo and these hard games, these unforgiving games. And for me, Dark Souls touches on that. And I like that. Now, I don't like games that are hard just to be hard for no reason whatsoever, because eventually they just get frustrating. But where Dark Souls really hits the bullseye is if you die, it's your fault. You did something wrong. You you know, either you didn't block at the right time or you ran too far ahead to where you now you're fighting eight mobs at once. And even if they're trash mobs, they're taking you out. Like, you know, you have to be conscious of that too. Um, it just it really 
it was a very unique game at the time. It was a lot of fun. I loved the difficulty level. The atmosphere was very weird. Like that's the other thing is Dark Souls games feel like Dark Souls games. They're very dull and dry. And it's like you almost feel like you're actually in like purgatory. There's nothing, nothing that's pleasant in those games at all. You know, no yeah. pleasant music, no pleasant characters, no nothing. It's just it, like they're sad or something. Didn't Dark Souls also have where you it was connected online and you would leave notes for other people. Yeah. But then you never knew if someone was trolling you or not. So they would say like secret ahead, roll don't, here. Don't go, don't go this way <laughs> or yeah, roll here. And, and I always thought that was a neat idea, except for the fact that you can't trust anybody online. No. So I don't know what good it really does, but it did it. It enhanced. And that's exactly right. Because it, it kind of gave you like, is this a clue or is this a trap? Do I, do yeah. I believe this or don't I? You know, and then everybody would just write praise the sun, right? That was a big thing. Praise the sun. And it was just like, people rolled well, with praise the sun for a long time. You know, I remember that. that or just, yeah, inappropriate things oh, yeah. written in the world. Uh, the, the only real concrete memory I have is cheesing one of the boss fights where I remember I was kind of stuck and I watched a video online and I remember aggroing a boss, booking it to a flight of stairs. And then the boss would get stuck, and if you stood directly across from them, after like two minutes, they would try to charge you, and then they would just plummet a hundred yeah, feet and, and then die yeah. from fall damage. So I, I do remember like getting to the point where I was like, okay, I'll just cheese bosses because I'm getting bored of the game. And yeah, I, I did not finish it, but I think I probably got like halfway through Dark Souls and just fizzled. Yeah, I love the series. I've played almost every offshoot, you know, Sekiro. Boy, that game's hard because it's different, right? Dark Souls focuses on dodging and stuff, where Sekiro, you had to parry. So it was like the more aggressive you were, the better. Whereas Dark Souls, you have to be very yeah, defensive yeah, yeah. and stuff like that, too. But love the whole series. I remember playing it on Xbox 360. I remember it blowing my mind and just thinking like, what a cool game. To, to be able to play. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, a, it's a neat series. I get why people love it. It was just slightly too sweaty for me. I prefer just a slightly more casual experience, but I, I, I hear you. All right, you ready for my next pick, I, Josh? Um, hit me with it. All right, all right. I, I was trying to decide what music game oh. to go with because I had to pick oh. one. I'm going Rock Band. Rock Band? The it, first one. It was on my honorable mentions. Uh, Through the Fire and Flames by Dragon oh Force goodness. was almost <laughs> enough for me to pick Guitar Hero 2, I think that was in. What an amazing uh, but instead song. I'm going, yeah, instead I had to go Rock Band because you got not just the guitar, you got the microphone, you got the drum set. Playing the drums in Rock Band was so much fun, and it was so neat to be able to hear the drum rolls and stuff while you're playing, but the downside is that if you were anyone else hearing just smacking oh, the drum set yes. was so annoying for everybody else <laughs> but if you got on the drums it was great yeah, so that's like the one like, everyone yeah. yes everyone fought over the drums that's what you wanted but even people who didn't normally play games just hand them a mic now you're having karaoke yes. night with your family and friends and it was such a blast you'd get four people on there and you could swap people and take turns we would have parties and we would inevitably end up playing Rock Band because it was such a good time. It, the beauty of Rock Band is it was so accessible to anybody. You Everybody. could have somebody that doesn't like video games, doesn't play video games, 
you know, and you're like, hey, you want to play rock band? And they're like, well, I don't know. You know, I'm not really a gamer or whatever. And they're like, dude, all you got to do is sing into this mic and just follow the line. You know, if it yeah. goes up, just go a little higher, you know, Match go lower. Pitch. Right, exactly. Yep. That's all you got to do. And then they'd be like, well, I can do that. And then, you you know, the, it was so funny to see people, you know, slowly like, ah, ah, ah. And then by the end of it, they're wailing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. they're like they're they're throwing stuff in there and they're they're trying to really really follow that line and stuff like that you know the guitar person if you were on an easy level anybody can push you know green red yellow blue or whatever the colors were i don't remember you know it, but you had that like entry level difficulty to where anybody could feel like they were doing their part they were playing the game but man, when you get four friends involved and then are getting into it, before you know it, like you're literally feel like a rock band. And that was where yeah. it really, really shined because now you're all working together. It's cooperative. So it's like, come on, Paul, hit that drums, man. You know, this person <laughs> singing, the guy on the guitar is starting to shred a little bit and all that. And it was so much fun. And it wouldn't mean anything if it didn't have good songs. Right. So I went back. And I first looked, because I figured Rock Band 2, for whatever reason in my head, I was thinking that must have been the one I played more. The song list is not great. There's like maybe five or six on there where I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, like those are bangers. But Rock Band 1, I cannot believe the songs that are in this game. I mean, you've got like, Are You Gonna Be My Girl, Blitzkrieg Bop, Black Hole Sun, Celebrity Skin, Creep by Radiohead. Oh, that was a great Detroit one. Rock City. Don't Fear the Reaper. I'm only up to the letter D, yeah. Josh. That's only the first A, B, C, and D. And it, it, you get I wanna, so I'm, many great I want to sing like five of those songs right now, Paul. <laughs> right? And you even have stuff like Sabotage by Beastie Boys. Like, these are mega hits. Paranoid by Black Sabbath. I mean, I, I cannot believe how good... Tom Sawyer by Rush. We all know you love your 80s oh, stuff. You I probably love, love Rush. I do. Well, I like that what song. What good songs. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the thing so because what, everybody what knows game. those songs. So when you're all working together and everybody knows the song, it's like it's just built in. It's built in accessibility to anybody that wants to hop in and play. And it was so easy to rope people into playing. Yes. You know? It was just good, wholesome group fun. Like that's all it boiled down to. Yeah. It, it was done so well. Guitar Hero was great. Rock band. Talk about innovation by adding the other instruments. It, it was fantastic. You know what makes me sad, Paul, is you can go into any Goodwill in the United States and find oh, yeah, rock yeah. band stuff now. <laughs> yeah, like, and none of it'll work. No, because of course not. It's been beat on. Every, yes. Uh, the, the drum pedals famously broke all the time, and the uh, the strum bar on the guitars would, would inevitably go How bad. How much did that game cost back in the day? I don't remember what it cost to get all that stuff. Wasn't it like a hundred bucks maybe at the time? I don't remember. I think it was like eighty to a hundred. It was pricey, in that but range. you got everything you needed to be able to play. So even though it was like yeah. well beyond what you would normally play for or pay for a video game, you got all the stuff you needed. So it was like an easy purchase as far as yeah. like trying to justify it. Oh, uh, what a fun series! You make me want to play rock, rock band. band. I miss those days, man. That that probably makes us sound old because I feel like <laughs> that it was, it was. I remember it even feeling a little goofy at the time. And so, for any younger listeners, the idea of just pretending that you're in a band probably sounds kind of cringy. But it was just so much fun. It, I, I don't know what else to say. It was your it's friends. Great. I mean, you're you know playing these fake instruments with your friends and everybody working together to 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 do the song that everybody knew. You know, yeah. at the time was just a blast, man. Yep, good old rock band. Oh, so that's right. uh, was that my third pick? Yeah, I that was my so. third. So I've got, I'm on my fourth now. 
Yes, sir. Oh okay. This, uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, you asked me in the beginning of the show what theme I kind of went with, and I'm, I'm starting to detect a theme here, <laughs> even though I didn't realize it at the time. And that's games that spawned an amazing series. You know, <laughs> right. now this one I don't think was exclusive to Xbox, um, but Bioshock. Uh, Bioshock, Bioshock to me is one of the most memorable gaming series that has that has been made, to be honest with you. Um, we had one of our listeners that was playing through Bioshock. I forget. He played like one and then two. And he was just like, these games are amazing. And I was like, wait till you get to <laughs> infinite because that's like a mind blowing one too. The beauty of Bioshock at the time was that there was not any game like this. Number one, number two, they, they gave you choice and not a lot of games were giving you a ton of choice at the time. And with Bioshock, your choice was you could get all of these different abilities. You had to get the, uh, whatever the injectable stuff was. Atom, I think yeah, is what right. they, what was it? Yeah, Atom. Atom, yeah, yeah. right? So you could get this stuff called Atom. You could inject it into yourself. That would, if you got enough of it, you could get these really cool powers and stuff like that. They had the really neat shtick in this game where they had the little sisters that were filled with Atom. Like that was the big thing is like they were just, they had tons of Atom inside of them. Um, but the, they were protected by the big daddies and these big daddies yeah. were these monstrous, like robotic, you know, the cover of the game, right? Yeah. That's, that's what was that's on, what the, you're on the cover, at, you know? Yeah. And to get to the little sisters, you had to defeat the big daddies and boy, you didn't want to fight a big daddy, but at the same time, man, you really wanted you to fight did. that big daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that added so much to the game. And then if you killed the big daddy, now you're faced with this really tough decision. Because you can save the little sister, right? Like you can actually save her. You had that option, yeah. And, and you know, and she'd have a life. But then you didn't get the atom, or you could sacrifice the little sister, draw out all of the atom that was within her, make your character really powerful, get this huge boost in your abilities and stuff. But you might have just sacrificed a little kid. You know, and at the time, yes, the little sisters were a little creepy. Like, let's be honest. So sacrificing them maybe wasn't the worst choice sometimes, you know, that kind of stuff. But all of the atmosphere, um, Rapture was the name that the, the, the area that all this took place way down at the bottom of the ocean. There's an amazing twist in the Bioshock series, which if you don't great know at villain. this point, you know, I mean, there's really not spoilers there, but a great villain that you, you know, you, you really hated at the time. Like I said, all of the reveals and stuff like that. The Bioshock series was absolutely incredible. It continued on into Bioshock 2, which it, to me is probably the least uh, least fun of the entire series. But then you got into Bioshock Infinite, which took it up into the clouds, which was a really, really neat aspect because everything else was very claustrophobic and down under the ocean. And then it brought all of in color. Sudden, yes. And then all of it, and that, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I haven't looked at it, but I remember to this day, Bioshock Infinite was one of the most gorgeous video games I've ever seen in my life. And it was just super cool to go from these dark, creepy claustrophobic tunnels and stuff like that in the bottom of the ocean to now you're just this super bright, vibrant world that's up in the clouds. Bioshock infinite has another insane twist ending to it. So that was really cool. And I just remember playing Bioshock on the Xbox 360 and just having my mind be blown and making those tough decisions. Like, you know, my, I think at one point my wife was watching me and I was fighting a big daddy and I got the little sister 
And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to kill this one because I really need that atom. And my wife is like, what are you doing? And I was like, I Cover need your the eyes, atom, Brandy. baby. I need the atom. And she's like, the what? She's like, you just killed that little girl. <laughs> and I was like, and she's looking at me funny and just, oh, what a groundbreaking series, man. Yeah, that, that, that was definitely a fun series. I feel like, I don't know if they were the first to do it, but the whole idea of having weapons combined with like one magical ability but then you had to harvest something and then you could swap out your magic i feel like there were 30 other games exactly like that that just weren't as good as bioshock see so that, I that think that's a good bioshock pick. pioneered that now i don't again i don't remember what other games came out at the time but it, either they pioneered it or they did it way way better than everybody else at the time didn't it have like um interactable environments i seem to remember you could do like electric shock but if the area was wet yep. then you could like hit everything that was in the water and i don't remember that really existing a no. whole lot prior to bioshock and, you, and it was one of those games where you had multiple ways of approaching like a situation as well like you said you could electrify the water you could just go shotguns blasting you could try to lead somebody away you know, you could set traps like mines and stuff like that. So you could like aggro them and then run away and hope that they would run through all of your trap mines and stuff like that. So it also had that advantage of, you know, you play kind of how you want at the same time. Yeah. Gotcha. What a great pick. Yeah. Bioshock's classic, of course. All right. For my number four, I'm going with Nico Bellic from GTA 4. Oh, okay. I had I had to include a GTA. I was going to say, if Paul doesn't throw a GTA yeah. game in here, something's wrong with this episode. <laughs> we, <laughs> I feel like we've only mentioned GTA 4 a handful of times. But one of the reasons I love this so much is that I never owned a PlayStation and, uh, until the PS4. And the GTA games always were either timed exclusives or it was only available on PlayStation. And I remember on 360, eventually they released like Vice City and GTA 3 and stuff like that. But GTA 4 released simultaneously on the 360 and the PS3. And so being able to play it at release was such a treat. It was the first time I was able to do that. And GTA 4 added so many new innovations to the series. For one, a cover system. Maybe because of how Gears of War was doing so good. Because right now when I'm playing Vice City on the remaster, it is so goofy to not be able to strafe while aiming and firing a gun. It feels so ancient because you can't take cover and I have to like really awkwardly walk around corners. So GTA 4 really improved on the combat. They used motion capture for animation of characters, which is why all the cutscenes look really good. And it's the first one that let you call a taxi and you could fast travel anywhere in the what game. What a convenience thing. What a quality yeah. of life improvement because the other ones you were constantly, you had to drive five minutes just to get to the next mission. Well, guess what? I can pull up my phone, call my taxi, pay the $30 and I'm immediately there. It was so great. Also, I know that the game took uh, a, a lot of uh, hits to the chin for allowing you to drink and drive, which I understand is incredibly wrong in real life, but I'm sorry. Doing it in a video game <laughs> is so funny. I just remember having Nico get smashed at the bar and try to drive around that city legitimately yeah. was impossible, but it was so 
hilarious just watching you wildly swing. I always felt like it was a cautionary tale. I don't think it caused anyone to think drinking and driving was cool. It showed you exactly how destructive it was. But what a fun game. I love GTA 4. It's my favorite of the whole series. And that was the thing, too, is like, you know, you had the freedom to kind of do what you want. You know, in that regard, I, I feel like let's go bowling. Right? Let's I feel go bowling, like GTA Josh. Four was the big leap in the GTA series that really modernized a lot of the stuff. Now, GTA Five, I feel like they, I feel like they took what they learned from that leap to GTA Four, and they yeah. said, "How can we enhance that?" But I feel like that leap to GTA Four was really kind of got that ball rolling, and when they got to GTA Five, they had perfected it. You know, but I feel yeah. like GTA 4 was the entry to that. Like, how can we get all these systems and how can we give all these choices in this world and all of this stuff? Like you said, the motion capture. And I feel like they really, like, they, they went from like, you know, one to a hundred very, very quickly. GTA 5 took it to a million. I'm a little worried. Like, GTA 6, like, how much more can they do? Because the jump from, you know, three to four and then four to five was so expansive. And it's like I my brain can't comprehend how they can make that same leap, you know, from five to six at this point. I really hope they figure it out, but it's like you can literally see the magnitude of improvement there, you know, that they went through. So I you know, I that's a an amazing pick, man. I do remember now I don't remember a lot of the earlier GTAs, but GTA four was an absolute blast to play. Oh yeah. The the last thing I'll say about it is this is really the only thing that I've talked about with GTA 4 on a previous episode. It has my all-time favorite mission in a game. It's called Three Leaf Clover. You get to go rob a bank and it is literally modeled straight out of my favorite movie, Heat, when they rob the bank. Uh so if you've seen The Dark Knight, the opening heist is also modeled yep. after Heat. This this became the running joke after 1995. Everyone said every bank heist is just trying to rip off Heat because Heat does it best. But running into the bank, jumping up on the counter, telling people, we're here for the bank's money. It's not your money, you know, but then the manager won't give you the key. You got to crack yeah. them, you know, do whatever <laughs> you need to do. And then all the cops show up. You open the front doors of the bank and you've got five stars. And now you're just gunning down, you know, hundreds of innocent police officers fighting your way through the streets, fighting your way through the subway, running on foot underground, and then having to get away by car. I remember it being one of the most intense and immersive missions ever. You felt like you were really robbing say, a bank. You really your felt like racing. you were part of it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, you really, really did. And it's like, if you've ever wanted to see what it feels like to be this criminal bank robber, you know, this was, this was, you know, a very good way to do that. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why in GTA five, they just added a ton of heists yeah. online because that's what everyone really wants to do. Yep. So yeah, I, I had to include GTA four. All right. Well, we'll speed this up just a little bit, Paul. I know we're going long, like, man, we've been going long a lot lately, but, um, my last one, so is this your last? It okay, is yeah, my last, last one. Yep. Um, fable two. honorable mention for me love it great game yeah it's just one of those things where this is i'm not you know this may not be like the end all be all of xbox 360 games but the fable series was 
unique and exclusive to Xbox. And Fable 2 was that they took what they learned from Fable 1. They really improved on a lot of things in Fable 2. I know there's a lot of debate whether Fable or Fable 2 is the better one of the series. Nobody likes Fable 3. You know, um, and it's just one of those things where the, at the time, again, we, I keep using this term, but it's groundbreaking. Um, you know, Fable was groundbreaking, but Fable 2 really kind of perfected everything in that series. The, you know, they added a lot of quality of life stuff, choices mattered, that kind of stuff. I remember playing the heck out of Fable. I remember my my wife really enjoying watching me play Fable. And, and it's like one of those things where every now and then a game kind of draws the attention of somebody that's really not a gamer. And I just yeah. remember her really appreciating like the choices that I was making, you know, what was I doing? Was I going to help this person? Was I going to harm this person? And she found that to be very interesting that you could make these choices in this game that would affect the game itself and your character within the game and the freedom that you had to do just about anything that you wanted to do. And I just like the fable series. Now they're, they're, they're making Fable. There's, you know, I think yeah. it's confirmed that it's been in development for a while now. So it's like, again, what can they pioneer to make the next Fable amazing? I hope they figure that out because they've got a lot to live up to. But that's one of my memories in playing the Xbox 360 was playing through Fable and Fable 2, you know, and, and, and just the, uh, you know, the memories that go along with that because it was so different at the time. Yeah, the the aspect of immersive storytelling was really neat when they allow you to make choices and the fact that that would change your character and how you would operate and you know whether your character was going to be good or evil or a mix of both. It, it was very neat to be able to have those options, which obviously was pioneered with the first Fable, but became such a staple for The Witcher and Mass Effect and Dragon Age and all these things where your choices impact the world. And the fact that people would react to your character, yeah, you know, so if you had horns, they'd be scared when they would see you, and all that stuff was just so neat. What's funny is I don't remember a lot about Fable 2 in particular, but I know I played it a ton. Like, in my head, I played the first one the most, so that one really sticks out, but what a fun series. It's been so long since the last one. I can't help but think that a new entry is going to be good. I hope They've so. They've had so much time. Yeah, I hope so. That's kind of the neat thing about Fable. Like you say that if you ask me at this point, like, like, hey, Josh, you know, the, tell me what happened in Fable 1 and tell me what happened in Fable 2. I don't think I could pick those out because to me, Fable, like 1 and 2 just is Fable. You know, at the time, <laughs> right. like, I, I I don't remember the specifics. I do remember the two had a lot of quality of life improvements, and it was honed and sharpened to be a better game, in my opinion. But I don't like I could not tell you, you know, the nuances between the two. But that's kind of the cool thing about Fable is you just remember playing Fable, you know, yeah. it, because the, the the series in and of itself was so unique, I guess that like, that's kind of how you viewed it. Yeah, and putting that emphasis on storytelling obviously calls out to me because ultimately that's what I love about single player games is is the story. Yeah. All right, what's your last right. one here, Paul? Last one on my list. I I I felt like I really needed to include a game from this series because they got absolutely snubbed in our last draft where we drafted best RPGs, uh -oh. and somehow nobody drafted a Fallout game. So I'm bringing in Fallout 3. Fallout 3 was a great entry. So good. 
Uh, Second it's the to first New fallout. Vegas, I think. Yeah, I think most people would say they like New Vegas most. Although for me, I played New Vegas on PC years later. Fallout 3 was the entry for me. And it served as a great first Fallout game to play because it was a soft reboot. There's like a big time jump between 2 and 3. And Fallout 3 had had such a memorable opening. I'm sure you remember all this. The game starts where you get where you're born. And so like you know all of a sudden you emerge you're a baby and they tell you okay well the machines scanned your genes they know what you're gonna look like as an adult and then you get the character creation (laughs) i thought that was so cool and then you crawl around like your crib as a baby which is such a funny beginning of a game but then it fast forwards in time you get a bb gun from liam neeson your dad you get to shoot some rad roaches but that's when you first see the vats system which was which, amazing uh, dude <laughs> very groundbreaking right and no one really has copied it that i can think of but that was where it was kind of like they wanted to have turn-based mechanics but have it just still be like a first person shooter so you could pause combat you could choose uh, a certain number of actions based on how many action points you had and you could shoot limbs or shoot someone's head or shoot something on their back that might explode. And everything was labeled with a percentage. You know, what's the likelihood you're going to hit it? And so it's almost uh, probably the closest is like the dead eye mechanic from Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. That's kind of similar, except with Vats, it's much more strategic with the actual numbers. Um, but what a cool game. You know, you uh, escape from the vault because your dad leaves and I remember you get to escape out of the vault and you've been living your whole life because of the nuclear fallout. You know, there was some kind of nuclear war years prior, but your dad leaves. And so you escape the vault. And I remember as soon as the doors open, you get blinded by all the yeah. light because you've been that living was a cool moment. It really was. Yeah, so cool. I like, and then it just it takes off from there. I'll say this. I really enjoyed the VAT system. Some people didn't like it because it kind of slowed things down a little bit. But that adding didn't have that, to use it, though. Adding that tactical aspect really enhanced the game for me because you had the percentages to hit, right? Like, it was, do you aim for the head, but you have a 62% chance to hit it? Or do you aim for the torso where you have like a 94% chance to hit it? Or do or you shoot him in the, the leg? leg because if yeah. you hit them in the leg, now they're crippled and now you can kite them around. You know, it, it like, it was that interaction between like the choice you made. Did it resolve in your favor? And if it did, it changed the out, like it changed the fight, you know, and it or got do to I be- shoot this dude in the arm that's holding the gun right? and then the arm goes flying and now he's disarmed. Right. Like stuff like that was so it cool. Really, it really, really was. I've seen some people complain, oh, I like that it slows down the gameplay and blah, blah, blah. But to me, the VAT system was really, really cool. Um, I'm with you. I mean, starting a game as a baby was really neat it's to kind of say, like, it yeah. really helped you, like, understand the, the scale in the like the long termness of being in the vaults and it, it, you know emerging from the vault and all that because if you just throw somebody into a wasteland like eh, that's been done a thousand times right but that that process of living in this very comfortable cush vault with everything you'd ever need you know with the the weird like 80s art style or 70s art style or whatever <laughs> they had in there not 80s i yeah, guess yeah. but or actually i guess it was like 60s maybe 
Um, but then going out into this world, being blinded and then just realizing, wait a minute, there's this entire world out there. And it would, it would kind of like just open up and then you'd be like, the world is my oyster. I can do anything I want. And I remember being like, which way do I want to go? And it was just so yeah. cool to be like, which way do I want to point my feet? Cause that's, it's up to me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you had your Pip-Boy 3000, so you could tune into the radio, but then later in the game, you meet that DJ, and he would talk about you on the radio. You'd, I think he called you, like, the Wanderer or something yeah. like that. And, I, and, and the last thing I'll say about Fallout 3, it's the first game I remember playing where you had to heal specific body parts. Oh, you could get crippled so if, and stuff? Yeah, yep. if you got shot in the leg, or if you fell you could have like a leg injury and you wouldn't sprint and you'd be kind of like limping your way around. And so you'd have to specifically open, open up the system, choose that leg and choose to repair that. And so sometimes you would even have to prioritize, like, what am I going to fix? Cause I've only got one shot left. What am I going to do? Right. If you got shot, that, that was arm, very wasn't cool. your accuracy, like super lame accuracy at that point. Cause you couldn't aim yeah. your gun and stuff. It was a lot of really neat systems that worked very, very well together as a whole. And then they went out and made, you know, Fallout oh, 76. And <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what they come out with, you know, down the road. But Fallout's always a great one. I, I loved yeah, Fallout. That's a great that choice. That was the first. Yeah. First Fallout I played. All right, Paul, let's hit a couple quick honorable mentions. We don't have to dig into them too much, but um, I had I had Dead Space. That was an amazing yep. game on the 360. One of like to this day, one of the best horror games ever made. I think um, I so good. I did have Skyrim on there as well because that was pretty groundbreaking i did have halo 3 on my short list even though you said don't put that on there at the beginning of the show <laughs> um and then gta 5 because i actually did play gta oh 5 goodness. on the 360 oh you, you did know? yeah i did you know oh, okay. and so it was uh I, like i said i had my 360 forever <laughs> so you rode that one all the way i, to I the really end. did yeah and so for me gta 5 on the 360 was pretty earth-shattering as well what about you? You got oh, any honorable man. mentions on there? Yeah, a couple honorable mentions. Borderlands 2. Oh, such I played a fun on 360. Game, dude. Oh. Super good. Dishonored. Dishonored uh, Dishonored was one of those games that I seriously considered. Again, that's one of those games that if you look at has a ton of awards. People talk about as being one of the best games, you know, for for the time. Um mm-hmm. it didn't make my list because it's just like I never actually played Dishonored 2. Okay. And yeah, Deathloop yeah. was kind of based on Dishonored. It soured me just a little bit, but Dishonored's a, an amazing <laughs> game and a great mention. Yeah, it's it's like Deathloop, but better. Yeah. <laughs> Despite being older. Also, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 1, 2, and 3. See, I never played Classics. any of the Call of Duties. Oh, they were so much fun. I loved them. I loved the campaigns. I loved playing online. Those were all great. The last one that I'll mention here, which I think has really grown into a cult classic years later la noir never played Did you it. ever play never it? played it oh see la noir was made by rockstar and everyone was so used to playing gta red dead even bully which was like the pg gta you were still getting into fights and you would use your slingshot la noir there is zero combat but it is like an open world that you drive around but you're just a detective and the neat thing about that is that it was the first game that was like fully motion captured that all the dialogue had perfect mouth animations. Oh, you know how really? games would sometimes yeah. have just like the mouth would only open and close in LA noir. It was just legitimately, this is exactly what it looks like in real life. 
and you got to just solve really cool murder cases or just criminal activity. You would find clues. You had to interrogate people. You could point out like inconsistencies and press on witnesses and you had to decide like do i press do i hold back do i accuse them of something and if you really want to have a good laugh just go search for la noir funniest scenes because there are scenes where you can accuse people of wild accusations (laughs) that will just make you die laughing because it's so funny so la noir i think is now kind of a cult classic I own it on Switch and on PC, but that's a fantastic game as well. I've heard people like that game. I've, I don't think I've even seen gameplay from that. That's one of those ones that just somehow just skipped over me. You yeah. know? Um, but it, it didn't have the best word of mouth when it came yeah. out because I don't think it's what people expected. But later on, I think everyone kind of came to appreciate what it offered. Yep. All right. Yeah, that's all I have. So yeah, uh, so many good oh, games to snub. It was a good great system. <laughs> true. I know there's a lot out there that people are probably thinking like, well, what about this one? Like, what about that one? Yeah. You know? and, and if you're a first time listener, we have spoken so much about Dragon Age and Mass Effect that I just left them off entirely because honestly, my list is just going to be, you know, a couple Mass Effects, a couple Dragon Ages and maybe an Elder Scrolls. But we thought we'd get maybe just a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, try to dig a little that. bit further. So yeah all right well that's all that we have here for this bonus round episode i know that in the past we teased that we might have been having a draft and tournament that ended up getting pushed back but we are going to have that one here available in two weeks time so the next deep dive episode that will be coming out next monday is going to be on battlefield 2042 which has um had a little bit of a rocky well, release, I would say. We're going to we'll, dig we'll in get and see it. if the negative reviews and all of the flack that it's been <laughs> taking are legitimate or is not. It fair? You know, exactly. Like, that's why we do what we do is to give you, a, you know, an actual gamer's point of view on stuff to say, hey, look, is, is, is the, you know, is the news for real? Is this really that bad? Or is this, you know, still a good game for gamers to check out and play and, and enjoyable and all that? <laughs> yep. I offer myself so, this tribute, Paul. <laughs> so battlefield will be the next deep dive and of course on thursday we'll have our half hour episode for this week in gaming and in the meantime come check us out on discord there's a link in the episode description come chat with us totally free service we'd love to have you there and once again just consider you know supporting the show either through patreon at multiplayer squad.com or by subscribing in apple podcasts all right well thanksgiving's over we got christmas right around the corner Hope you guys are having a great holiday season. We'll see you on Thursday. That was a fun one. We'll see you, everybody.